Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to, and this time the you in that statement is very specific to a uh, anonymous person who does not want to be associated with this movie. <laughs> but, Isn't it always very specific? I thought all of these were user submitted. Not all of them. <laughs> Some of them, we lie and watch I mean, what we want. Some of them are multiple users have submitted it. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. So how about that? Huh? You want to tell me how to do my job some more, you piece of shit? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> in, in fact, it, it, I like to do something I call a compliment sandwich. Why don't you come into my office? Anyway, we watched Freddy as F-R-O-7 and to join us in this torture is... The network's very own CEO, president, and local dominator, my conqueror, James D'Amato. <laughs> Hello, heroes. I, I just want to point out up at the top of this that last night I recorded a, a very kind of emotional piece of audio as a mid-roll for the next episode of, of Skyjacks, where I just talked about how it was the last piece of audio that I would be recording b before I become a father. And as I was sitting down to do this, I realized, oh, that's not true. I'm going to be recording a whole podcast about this terrible movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that we get you right at the end. We're the ones. I, that reminds me of how when when my daughter was born, we had to pause because we didn't know when she was going to arrive. And so I spent a month ready to talk about the next book, which was the book of erotic fantasy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to keep that in my head for a month of sleepless child raising nights. Mm -hmm. Constantly rereading the book of erotic fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true hell. Uh, it's wonderful. Speaking of true hell, so Freddy as FRO7, a very British film about a French frog, because it's... <laughs> He's an actual frog, mm -hmm. though, so mm -hmm. it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, a frog as spy, a veritable James Pond, except that's already a video game series that exists. It's amazing to me that they had to go with FRO7. I don't like, understand you that. Double O Frog, you couldn't do anything else. Yeah, I, that was weird. Yeah, what? one of the things that I love about this is how much faith uh, the people who made this movie had in this movie. Um, that, that like in in looking it up, uh, there was a huge thing about how like they really thought that this was going to put British animation on the map, really <laughs> enter enter their country and culture into that marketplace. <laughs> oh. This was it. This was going to be the stamp of British exceptionalism on the animation world, and, and I think it was. It was. <laughs> I don't know. Does this predate the Wallace and Gromit stuff? Because I feel that's what I think of well, immediately. That's claymation more yeah. than animation. It's still animation. Mm. Technically, live action is animated. We're moving. <laughs> hey, man, have you ever thought about it? I mean, technically, it is it is animation in that it is a series of moving images because there's no actual people in your movie screen. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Mm. What are you telling me? <laughs> man, my screen works differently than yours, then. Yeah, it's a box and plays happen in there. <laughs> I don't think you understand how wealthy I am. I have a box about the size of a room, and I have people come in and do shows for me. <laughs> I have Why Mr. Diesel drive around his, his various automobiles for my amusement. <laughs> Mr. Diesel? 
Yes. Uh, I can't. This movie. You're right. Absolutely. That that the uh, one of the more interesting things about this is the sheer like confidence with which it is presented. Like you'd think at a certain point they'd be okay. We kind of made a stinker. Let's maybe pull the Asia song and the Jefferson Starship and and, oh. <laughs> and try again with some less important music. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this came out in 1992 and looks very early Ralph Bakshi as uh, far as yeah. animation. Yeah, I could see that. Or or worse, there's also a little worse, bit of what's there's no name. fluidity to it at all except for the, except for the most bizarre scenes there's no fluidity to what's happening well, in the, the movie. The reason I say like early Ralph Bakshi is cuz it feels like they always have some sort of business moving around yeah. but for no reason and it's more distracting than it is useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's less of Bakshi's tendency towards gimmickry when it comes to animation where he likes to like put live action stuff in the background or Run out of money. He loves to run out of money. That's that's one of Bakshi's favorite. He loves favorite. to run out of money in the background. <laughs> Every movie you can see Ralph Bakshi in the background going, oh, oh, shit. What I saw here was like, this is what Don Bluth turned in as his thesis statement in college. Because <laughs> it's it's got that kind of, it had a lot of Don Bluthy look to it. The only thing it was missing with grainy light filters. No, I'll I'll say especially Nessie seemed very Bluthian. Yeah, absolutely. The hair yeah. on Nessie was yep. extremely Bluth. Uh, right up until that fucking weird ass musical number. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So, no spoilers. We're going to get to that in just a second. I'm going to go ahead and say this was absolutely trash in a way that is so weird to me because it is. If someone were to just write out what this movie was to me. That would be more entertaining than watching this movie. Yeah, th- because <laughs> the idea of the events are better than the proceedings. You're saying you're looking forward to the cracked article about this more than anything else, really? Ah! I mean, it's this podcast. It's this podcast gets to do it, boys. Like, I, I really want to impress <laughs> to the listeners that the reason that that we watched this film is a very dear friend of mine told me about about their experience watching this film and i mm-hmm. was like this sounds wild i have to see this for myself and all of the things that we're going to say to you are going to make you go wow this movie sounds incredible i'll have to watch that i need to see how they did this terrible thing and no you don't no you don't you're getting the <laughs> best version of this movie which is having someone describe it to you angrily yes yeah. pretty much yeah i'm just amazed that the, my usual uh, diet of uh, movie, like bad movie podcasts, YouTube channels, because I'm way into that. That's one of my favorite things, especially when it comes to old animation, that none of them have come across this yet, to my knowledge. It's wild to me that this isn't a big deal, that I had not heard of this yet. Yeah, wow. and it's like I mean, I, an impressive big deal. Like, it, it was bad to, to being, like, one of the lowest grossing animated features for a very long time. Like, hmm I mean, because I have a habit of watching anything shitty as long as it's animated, just just because I want to see them all. I've watched Delgo. I've watched Titanic, the animated movie. I've watched, uh, what's it called? Uh, Ratatouing. Oh, Ratatouing. <laughs> Not Ratatouille. Ratatouing. <laughs> but this, nothing on the radar. I don't know how it happened. It must have been like British national intelligence buried this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. We are going to take a little musical break and we are going to come back with all of the in-depth absolute wild spoilers for 
Freddy as FRO7. time to tell you all about little freddy freddy as fro7 not freddy as freddy krueger mm-hmm. freddy as freddy fro7 it's the weirdest thing that his name is just freddy like he's his, the character's name is freddy and the movie is like freddy as fro7 you're like well no he's still freddy no one ever calls him fro7 they refer to him as such when he's not in the room sometimes yeah. I mean, no, they call him FRO7. They, they to said it face. a couple times, but, but like... The, the general does. <laughs> yeah. But the important thing to note is that he does not start the movie a frog. He is a frog. Let's get put that... Although, he will tell you in loud, booming tones that no, he isn't uh, at well, one he, point. There's a point where he realizes that he's grown to human size, and he just <laughs> announces to the world, I am not a frog! Okay, okay. We, we'll get there. We'll get there, because I think it is really important that people know that this film opens uh, with Freddy driving his supercar uh, through an unpopulated Paris. Uh, it's just scenes of Paris, not a hint of a person walking around or even really another car on the streets just with him. straight up post-apocalyptic paris where everyone has been raptured and their cars yeah and you can tell that it's 1992 because who framed roger rabbit was in 1990 so his car is alive and has a face yep mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is one of the many questions about magic and magical things I have about this world <laughs> yeah, he, that will never be answered. As an adult, Freddy is an anthropomorphic frog, and his car is a carthropomorphic ca- frog. Yep. Yeah, it, it makes random frog noises through this entire mm-hmm. driving sequence. Like, like, like there's there's music going on and whatnot. But the car, I think it's the car making these frog noises. But I I couldn't prove that to you. Uh, and when you say when, when you say music is playing throughout the sequence, I, w- I want to be clear that it is some ass Jefferson Starship B side that is oh. playing as they're driving. Around. I think <laughs> that's definitely Grace Slick. I can't too. I, I don't know if the other dude is the regular dude. Yeah, the uh, the weird thing about this movie is that it wants to be a musical, mm-hmm. but it has two musical numbers Three. in it. Three. Yeah. Three? Mm-hmm. Where's the third one? Okay, you've got Evil Mania. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You've got the Nessie song. Uh-huh. And, and, and the, then the, the you've frog got- The Frog song. The Frog song, yeah. What fucking frog? What when he's talking a, When about? he's living with the frogs. Yeah, when oh, he's living with eh. the frogs, and then and then they're talking about how basically he's like kind of an X Man while he's living with the frogs. <laughs> yeah. Also, the opening is extremely talk sung, which is a really weird choice. There's a narrator at the very beginning of the film who's just like, and then Freddy realized he was now a frog. Yeah. And you're like, wait, is this going to go somewhere? No, it no. isn't. I'm just talking like this. It's Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> I watched this film and it was like, it's like this film wants to be a musical, but is afraid to pull the trigger. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was like, God, the, the musical numbers in this are so few and far between, and yet so awful that I'm like, thanks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I only need to hear Evil Mania once, you know? Of the uh, of the two major musical numbers in this, they are so uh, slapshot, 
uh, musically, where they don't really seem to have a theme or a hook or anything. And also yeah. wildly out of place. Yes. Both of them are very unusually placed. And extremely uh, long. All of the musical sequences are very long. <laughs> yes. Ugh. So, the important thing for the beginning of this, to me, once you get past Freddy actually driving around a very empty Paris, mm-hmm. is... We, from the name of this, and from that beginning, you're like, okay, so you've got a big anthropomorphic frog as a James Bond thing, Mm -hmm. but he's French. Okay, I get it. And they're like, now, a thousand years ago, (laughs) in France, there was a wizard king. And you're like, what the fuck have you just done? You know, a thousand years ago from 1992, when France was still ruled by magician kings? You know, back in 992, when the French magic king was like, hey, it's me and my evil wizard sister. Well, I mean, okay, first of all, I want to make it clear that the uh, the French magician king appears to be a British magician king who has taken over part of France in 1092. Because the one time they let him talk, he is the most British voice in the film. Mm. <laughs> and Brian Blessed's in this. <laughs> The one time he talks, he's like, I'm I, not very good at accents, but but he launches into this thing about how uh, Freddy's power is when he is at his last breath or something, and he is saying it in, he sounds like Rob Brydon. Mm. He couldn't be more British. Oh boy, well, uh, he is exceptionally British, yes. Uh, Michael Hordern. Oh, okay, yeah. Died just... three years after this movie came out. <laughs> uh, the movie did it. The movie is what Related? did it for sure. Obviously. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so He was Sir Michael Horton, by the way. <laughs> That's how British he was. <laughs> He's got to stop Horton, all those Sir Michaels. Uh, but yes, this is a point where we go back into the, <laughs> the far distant past in order to watch a wizard king turn a sword into butterflies for his bemused prince mm-hmm. and young prince frederick and we get his sister who is also magic but her magic is evil magic her primary ability is that you never see her talking <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's her that's her superpower is that her lips never sync up with anything she says ever in the entire film well let me just get this out of the way this entire film sounds like the actors were recording in a uh, like empty pool payphone. Yeah, over yeah. a payphone. It was it just no. It just sounds like they're in an auditorium yeah. with no baffling. Yeah, it's just so ringy. I don't know if I can legally allow you to describe this movie as as no baffling. I feel like it contains a great deal of baffling. No, the auditorium, not baffling. This movie, baffling. Okay, just making sure. I could put yeah. this movie up on my wall and you would never hear an echo. For, for this animated animal spy thriller, we are a thousand years in the past when France was ruled by magician kings. Makes yes. sense. That's where mostly we're butterfly, Mostly butterfly magic, some mind stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, his evil sister, the king's evil sister, Messina, uh, is a very scar type. Uh, her deal is to usurp the throne of a thousand years ago, France, uh, via uh, sorcerous spell shape, uh, shape-shifting. Well, yeah, she has uh, caused 
the king's wife to die at sea Mm -hmm. somehow. Mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what she did, but she caused it. It's much more dramatic than how she offs the king, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Kills the king by being a snake when a horse is around, and this, of course, murders the horse. Yeah. And in one of my the favorite most little bizarrely touches. animated horse too. I really yes. want to point out there are other horses later in the movie that look normal. The ones for this scene are real messed up. Well, they're magician horses. Yeah, these yeah. are magic horses. They're just his footmen that he's turned into horses for the purpose of the ride. <laughs> but uh, when he falls, I, I appreciate this about the film. He falls like five feet and dies. Oh yeah, it's not like he falls off a cliff into a wildebeest stampede or something. He falls in a ditch and dies. It's dangerous to ride a horse. It is. Riding a horse. Not even once. Nope. Not for me. I don't care for them. But uh, but yeah, he he dies very normally by falling a small distance and cracking his head. And then it works. Uh, Messina chases Freddy around, turns him into a frog. Well, at this point. Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead, please. Messina is in charge. Because they're like, okay, Freddy's too young. Mm -hmm. Messina's going to assume the throne until he comes of age. The regency. And... At this point, she's like, well, now I got to kill him right now so that I can remain in charge. Mm -hmm. And her plan for doing that is to turn him into a frog, I guess. Yes. Well, that's her that's her her, uh, whole deal is transfrogification. Yeah. Transfrogification. (laughs) And so so we get this scene where where she is a snake chasing Freddy as a frog because, you know, she has this ability to turn into a snake. That's her big thing. And the Mm -hmm. sound design that they choose for this snake is strange. Like you'd think if you're going to animate a snake and that's your big villain, like it's probably going to hiss, right? This is making dinosaur noises. Yeah, it's kind of a roary (laughs) snake. And not just that, but she turns into a cobra. Because she's got the big hood for a head, right? Basically because her hair, when she's a human, kind of has a cobra hood vibe going on. Yeah. But when you first see the snake, you think, why does she have three cobra hoods? And then it dawns on you, no, they decided that you need to know who this is. So they gave the snake an hourglass figure. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) The snake has boobs and hips. The snake goes down, has a little triangle that comes out. Goes down, has another little triangle that comes out, and then the rest of it is regular snake. Well, there's one more for hips, but yeah, it's it. They, there's a because uh, you go. There's three triangles, one for well, the. Whole, I was saying yeah. after the head. Yeah, after the head. So for for whatever reason, they were like, "Well, the snake has to stay pretty feminine. How do we how do we do that? Do we go classic cartoon and just give her long eyelashes and a bow? No, I think we can put tits on the snake. Yeah. <laughs> I can put tits on a snake. I'll put tits on a snake. And this is the movie I don't know if that's enough. We should put a skirt on that snake with tits. <laughs> well, not a skirt, but at least a dumper. You want to be able to bounce a quarter off the we snake. Want, yeah. We want her figure to evoke the women's room sign. Because <laughs> I got to know, not, it's, it's a female snake. They've seen Jafar. He's like a man snake. We, we can't have yeah. that. He's uh, like a man snake. Now, I, I really appreciate this, actually, because this is the movie communicating to you how bizarrely horny it's going to be throughout. Like, yes. Th- once these God, you mentioning that, by the way, made me realize that Aladdin came out the same fucking year as this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> anyway, it is a weirdly horny film. There's no getting around it. Uh, but yeah, she doesn't quite catch the frog. Instead, he manages to hop out a window, and she's like, well, that's good enough. And he falls in the ocean, where he falls Gets under- chased by her a lot. Uh, gets mm-hmm. chased by her a lot, and hides. 
at, at which point she is about to get him when she's chased off. And I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it. She's chased off by the Loch Ness monster who happens to be uh, in the, uh, ocean. the ocean near France. <laughs> you know, you know, the Loch Ness monster always hanging out in the French oceans. And of course, after they become friends, do Freddy and the Loch Ness monster, she has to tell him she's going back home to the lock and i'm like how how are you doing this do you know what a lock is <laughs> do you understand any of this <laughs> but yeah and also she knows her name is nessie it's not that we are inferring that she's the loch ness monster uh she tells us that her name is nessie and that she is the loch ness monster yeah a, a thousand years ago she's this yes, yes. so so yeah. she has an awareness of herself as nessie a thousand years ago yeah, I actually don't know if a 1092 Loch Ness was a thing. I didn't look that up. That would have been a good idea. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> also, she's voiced by Billy Whitlaw. I just want to I want to highlight the voice acting when yeah. I can because I mean, it's amazing the people who are involved in this project. Uh Billy Whitlaw's not is, huge. No, she's Messina. Oh, that's Messina? Yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, I had that backwards. All right. Well, Messina as as by Billy Whitlaw is still great cuz that's like the nanny from The Omen. Yeah, Phyllis Logan is Nessie. I have no idea who that is. I'm sorry. That's fine. <laughs> You'll at least know a few of these, considering that we haven't said it yet, but our our titular Freddy is Ben Kingsley. Which is hard to tell. Yeah. Really he is doing his best, like, standard offensive, I don't know how to do Frenchman French accent. Now, this is the point where oh, after- Oh, boys, boys, boys! Please, Young please. Freddy, who we've seen up to this point in the movie, is played by Edmund Kingsley. Yes. Oh. Ben Kingsley's uh, uh, actual son? Yeah. <laughs> in his, I'm sure, the beginning of a beautiful career. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure he did a lot of wonderful, great things. I mean, he was in a movie at least in 2015, so this didn't destroy his career. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after... Nessie rescues Freddy. Uh, she is subsequently trapped herself under some boulders. And then Freddy unveils his own magical abilities, inherited as the line of Sorcerer Kings, as he is, uh, of kind of telekinesis, wobbly eye telekinesis, which yeah. they call he mind powers, powers, which is mm -hmm. important. It's his little thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the line where he just calls them his little thoughts because I was like, oh, he's not just a little bit of a Bond pastiche. They're working some Poirot into this as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Now, he meets a bunch of other frogs when Nessie decides to go back, but also tells him, if you ever need me a thousand years from now, just whistle and I'll come calling. <laughs> Teaches him a whistle. And he's like, oh, I met these frogs. And for some reason, they're Cajun. And mm -hmm. they're doing some good old-fashioned New Orleans-style jazz thought that, a thousand years ago. I genuinely thought that... Ne I, I didn't catch the thousand years ago thing. I thought it was like long ago in the in the early 80s, France was ruled by magician kings. <laughs> <laughs> no, they decided but, uh, to make the, the frog immortal, which is a different, <laughs> I think, worse problem. I honestly... The thing that cued me into the fact that... that that it was a thousand years ago is at the very end of the movie. He's like, I have always wanted to visit the USA. And I'm like, dude, you were hanging out with Cajun frogs at the beginning. <laughs> nope. So that's when I, when I had to reevaluate my thoughts about the film. 
but uh, but yeah, he hangs out with a big gaggle of Cajun frogs. He's embarrassed that he might that they might think he's royalty, so he hides his crown, which is a problem because once he's got his crown off, he has no identifying characteristics. <laughs> and so for the next ten minutes, <laughs> any a, given frog on screen might be him. There's a bunch the of frogs frog wear business. <laughs> and act the like other, people. The other frogs are, you know, dancing. Reading Frog News, uh-huh. my favorite publication. <laughs> they are ice skating and building snowmen as frogs love the cold, of as course, we all know. Famous for that. Famously active but of course, in the cold. They're protected from it because these frogs have scarves. Again, making me question the magic rules that exist in this world. <laughs> I mean, mostly what I was thinking, I was just going like, okay... So far, we've seen a bunch of copying animation. Is this them ripping on the old uh, Charles Schultz Peanuts specials? Because we're doing a lot of like ice skating shit and and uh, bad dancing and musical numbers. This is extremely sh- old Peanuts. Yeah, but the uh, ice skating frog is very horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she wants it real bad. I could, again, that was a scene where there's an ice skating sexy frog and she's out doing ice skate moves. And her sexiness attracts the uh, the Tex Avery-like attention of a male frog who skates out to attempt to woo her and falls in the cold ice. Uh, and because our hero is a, is the same fucking frog model as every single other thing in the film, I was like, is that him? Is he incredibly horny for this frog? Or is this just an incidental side frog? Yeah. Did turning into a frog make him horny for frogs? Well, I assume he's just got a few years older. He was like eight in the intro. I assume this is him at like 16, now horny for frogs. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess if you hit your sexual awakening and all you got are frogs and they're like dancing around, really giving you the shake and come hither. Yeah, don't think don't act like you haven't considered one of those boob shaped lamps at one point in your life <laughs> hanging from the ceiling. Oh, <laughs> uh, 16 year olds make do. My my favorite thing in this. Uh, is that eventually, of course, uh, throughout all the frog business that we get, mm-hmm. uh, Freddy grows up, and when he grows up, he gets to be human-sized. He ke- keeps getting larger and larger, and of course, he's magical and not like the other frogs. Well, one and- thing I appreciate about his, him growing up to human size is that right before the transformation sequence where he becomes like six feet tall, they finally put a fucking pair of shorts on him. Which is good, because the rest of the movie is very horny, yeah. and I did not want to see anything. <laughs> I didn't want the answer to any questions. But he, he grows up, and they're like, all right, he's got to go see the rest of the world. So the frogs <laughs> have, of course, just Cinderella'd him an outfit, and they get him all dressed up, and the, <laughs> the movie's like, and then I left my home to go see the world. And then London called, and they skip a thousand years into the future. Uh-huh. Yep. I assumed he had just been with the frogs a thousand years, that it just took him a thousand <laughs> years to grow up. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, very unclear on, on that part of the timeline, which is weird. Like, if you've got an immortal frog character, uh, why do you spend so much time with frogs instead of with like his adventures throughout history to build him up as a hero for us. Like it's a little weird. And also my, my main question from this beginning, which Jesus were like a half hour in, and we have talked about like the first five <laughs> it's gonna minutes. It's going to be a long movie. episode. It's fine. <laughs> but Messina 
would have become queen. Freddie never comes back to get yeah. like yeah. to challenge for the throne or anything. And yet, a thousand years in the future, she does not have a like wizard king grasp on the throne of France. She is instead Brian Blessed's horny snake pet. Yeah, she go yeah. she has a Nagini moment where like I guess she turned into a snake so many times she got stuck that way. But she doesn't. No, I know. I just, I just think it's it's amusing to me that in the beginning she is clearly going to be the villain, and then by the time you meet her again, she's the henchman. Yeah, yes. you're like, what happened? She, well, she realized that it made her hornier to be that. She got in <laughs> Look, this relationship it's, it's just with her this choice. guy. <laughs> There's a reason he's El Supremo. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she met him and she was like, "Holy shit, Brian Blessed! I want to be number two. <laughs> the more the more I don't talk, the more Brian Blessed does." I want you to boss nass me around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, the the, uh, the frogs are nice enough to a thousand years ago provide uh, our our hero with an outfit that looks like what Dennis Leary would wear if he was a pilot. <laughs> like he's got like a leather jacket and and jeans on and so on. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, and a huge scarf. Got to have that huge scarf. Well, of course. Yeah, but now a thousand years into the future. We don't see him for a bit. Instead, it's time for to, to start seeing the villain's evil machinations and meet the kind of tertiary spy cast of this. Well, yeah, because well, this first is a we British do meet film. the racist crows from Dumbo are brought back. Oh, that's right. Film. Yeah, yes. there's their flight. Yeah, the, the, well, that's, uh, the pre- that's how we find out what's going on. Yeah, the premise of the film overall is that I mean, beyond the a thousand years ago, sorcerer prince turned into a frog becomes French secret intelligence. Uh, that that you'd think that'd be the premise, but it's <laughs> that, not. That is a minor note in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, instead, the premise of the film is that someone is stealing all of the British monuments and important places which is sapping the British of their will to do anything. No, it isn't. Not yet. No, but it will. That's the premise. That is the evil plan. I don't care if I go out of sequence. We've been talking for half an hour. (laughs) Every moment is important. Every frame, a terrible picture. (laughs) (laughs) The fearful symmetry. Uh, So the entire thing is, so far, a couple of... Various landmarks have been stolen. We uh, we get the, uh, what is it? Oh, Trafalgar Square. Uh, the, the yeah the the uh, what's his name? Uh, the the statue of Nelson. Nelson. That's the statue it. of Nelson at Trafalgar Square gets I kept wanting to say Nigel, uh, which causes a bunch of crows to fall on their asses, and we get well. That's when they take the Tower of London. Yes, but we establish there's a couple of crows flying in because they've always wanted to see Trafalgar Square, and these two are kind of like respectable old people crows well these are the american crows yes and we're here on uh vacation and then they're confronted by the british hooligan crows yeah they're like punks yeah the british punk crows that are hanging out in the now uh like completely deserted tower of london square yes and they're excited about it because they're punks so you know uh you know you know, up, up your ass, queen, or whatever. So they're all like, fuck yes, the Tower of London is gone. <laughs> the death to empire. Uh, but they are also as racistly black as possible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. God. It, like, it's just it's just racist Dumbo crows. They just yeah, I mean, did a is. British I, version of it. I was just like, Great Britain, did you know when you made this movie that Dumbo was in 1940? <laughs> You got beaten to the racist punch a while ago. 
Oh. They're just they're just paying tribute to their favorite animation moments. They they're standing on the shoulders of racist giants. <laughs> Gotta hate that scene in Dumbo so much because it's so racist, and yet that song inherently slaps. <laughs> uh, so, Elephant Fly is a fucking rad song, and I hate that I love it. Uh, so we finally, at this point, get our main human interests in this uh, after Buckingham Palace gets taken, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where the... Brigadier General is on the phone with the Prime Minister, and they're like, yes, you need to do something about this. And he decides he's going to call in the best French Secret Service agent, because apparently his own guys suck. Well, he he drops the joke, the the joke of the movie. 006 has gone in South America, and 007's lost in Hollywood. Yeah, gotta have that. So, they're going to call on FRO7. And... This is also, I want want to point out, this is a gag comedy sequence that is bizarrely one of the best animated sequences of the film, where Mm -hmm. the head of British intelligence is tangling himself in his own phone cord. Which is incidental. Oh, go ahead. No, I just just want to point out that, like, they're really animating this cord as it binds this man up, uh, making it another weirdly horny scene. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I was going to point out that the uh, him getting tied up in his own phone cable is an extremely Don Bluth move. Yes, like I challenge you to watch a Don Bluth movie and not have a sequence where someone gets tied up in a, in a string or something. He puts it in all of them. Uh, and of course, when FRO Seven shows up, we have to get the Sir FRO Seven is here, and there's something you should know. You see, he's a frog. Oh, how dare you talk about our French allies in such way? <laughs> no, sir, he's green. <laughs> well, of course, he's, he's not green. He's, he's, the, he's the head of his own embassy. You know, that kind of thing. It's just doing that for a while. And then, of course, he, in comes Freddy, who's like, Hello, mes amis! Oh, ha, ha! French, French, French! <laughs> I gotta say, the first thing about adult Freddy that I can't get enough of, his walk cycle animation is... is like video game level consistent. <laughs> yeah. And and he walks like I don't like the proudest person in the world walking through heavy wind. <laughs> he walks <laughs> dick first into every room. He's got yeah. this shoulder swagger that's like his shoulders rise and fall three feet per per step. Oh, he is hip thrusted out, yeah. swaggering as hard as possible. Arms always up at his elbows, like literally like he's wading through a bog and doesn't want to get his arms wet. Yeah. He's walking around like he's in the Muppet Christmas Carol yeah. and the ghost of Christmas present is singing a good song. Yeah. He's walking around like he put his jacket on with the coat hanger still on and he's not he's trying to let people not catch on. <laughs> What I'm trying to tell you, listener, is that this frog has swagger. (laughs) He walks like a musical number is always about to break out. (laughs) So they walk him into the room where he's going to meet who will be one of his partners for this mission. Their top lady spy. Who's doing slow kung fu (laughs) in the air. Well, this is the 90s. She's doing karate. Okay, or Tai Chi, maybe. But she's wearing a gi, and she's doing very slow kicks at nothing. Um, Uh. And and, obviously, Freddy 
sees her and he's horny for her. Um, oh, obviously. He's he sees the only woman that exists in all of England. Not related to him. <laughs> well, who's not the like, queen whose face we cannot show. Oh, exactly. Right. He actually sees her and is like, ah, daffers, I like your tits. <laughs> yeah, he literally comments on her boobs immediately. And she's like, my tits like you, Freddy. She yeah. flashes. Audience. She flashes. She movie. shows him her tits. <laughs> she does. Yeah. There's a moment. I have no concealed when, weapons. Yeah, there's a moment where he's like, oh, I need to go get, you know, here, you can get weapons from our tech guy, the Scottish dude, Scotty, because we have no imagination. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she just goes, well, I've got no concealed weapons. Here are my tits. And yeah. Freddie's like, nice. Yeah. He just kind of goes, well, noted. He, he does. He says, ooh la la, because yeah. he's French. And that's what Because you say. see. But I got to feel bad for this poor Scotty character, because they're like, all right, well, this is a Bond parody. So here's your money, Penny, except she goes with you. And here's your cue. Uh, he's your weapons expert. And Freddie's immediately like, I do not use weapons. That is not my style. No guns <laughs> or gadgets. <laughs> None of that shit. But I will take the man. <laughs> Yeah, and well, yeah, because they got I John my Sessions mind, for it. I use my little thoughts, and it's like, yeah. Freddie, you don't mean that you think your way out of problems. You mean you use your magic, which yeah. you have. <laughs> he's he's a magic person, uh, and yeah, they got they got a real person to play uh, uh, Scotty, and that's Jenny Agutter as Daffers. Yeah, who's uh, I I only remember her as the person who was the star of the Call the Midwife for like the first two years. Well, uh, which that's fine. Yeah. But uh, so that's the, we got big deal actors all the way across the board here. Oh, yeah. yeah. She is so fucking horny for this frog immediately. God. Oh, yeah. The two of them are just absolutely like, so you want to ditch this case and just get down and nasty? <laughs> and we have our uh, our inside man who is working for the bad guys. I love that character so much because he has these best facial expressions. Trilby. Yeah. Mm hmm. Played by Jonathan Price. <laughs> and he's just like... <laughs> I can smell my own French farts. Or British farts. <laughs> and we get to know that he is the bad guy because he has a tattoo of the evil insignia prominently displayed on his, on wrist. his wrist. Yeah. Not a and thing we they linger check. on it. If you get to high level British intelligence, it's not a thing that they ever address. No, no one is ever like, "Hey, that's weird. We hired you, and you've got this tattoo. Let's figure out what that is." And if he didn't have it, then there has to be a point where someone was like, "Wait a minute, you're a stuffy British dude. Why did you get a random tattoo on your <laughs> wrist?" I didn't. It's a scar from when I fell on a can of Brenston pickle. And they're all like, yeah, it checks oh, out. Yes. I was trying to make the full British. And of course, I cut myself on the beans, you know. I was dared to by the Childhood Boys Association I was a part of. I also had to put my dick in a pig's nose. All makes sense. Yes, we've all been there. Boys will be boys. Oh, yes. So we get a we get an animated car sequence. The car is back, and I do feel like it's important to point out that the car it doesn't just have a face. It's a lady car. And yeah, it's it a is, lady car. It it's alive. 
It's also horny for Freddy, and it has it it ha- follows the ambulatory principles of both cars and frogs as needed. Because when they realize they're in a long line, because Freddy's first idea, where they're like, "Well, where are you going to start with your investigation?" And he's like, "I don't know, horse racing. Let's go to Ascot." And, and there's a long line for Ascot, so the the car just hops over all the other cars. Yeah, the only he- time Freddy's supercar is important in the film. Uh huh. <laughs> he has an intelligent supercar. That is horny and can jump and does not matter to the film, just like the French Magic Kings of old. Mm-hmm. The, really, the only difference between this car and other Magic cars is that the Mach 5 is important to the film, the, the story, although it clearly hey, wants That's to engineering, se- not magic. <laughs> but it has been engineered to want to have sex with Speed Racer. Obviously. It doesn't come up often. <laughs> Which is why they don't have the opportunity to have sex. Uh, okay, yeah. so now he's at Ascot, and he's decided he's going to immediately use his powers of being an animal to cheat to make his new friends like him more. Is yeah. ready. Yep. He's like, a horse winked at me, and that means number seven, the French horse, is going to win. Yes, because that's a uh, because the thing it, the the sequence is da- he asked Daffers, "Who are you going to bet on?" And she's like, oh, I think I'll bet on Le Cheval, the seventh horse, because its name is French. And so Freddy looks over at that horse, who just happens to be walking by, and they cartoon wink at each other, I guess to indicate that normally horses don't try to win the race, but now he will. Horses are mostly just fucking around. (laughs) All French people know each other, including frogs and horses. But that doesn't mean that that horse is going to... I mean, sure, him and the horse have an understanding, but it's a horse race. There's like 10 other horses. Yeah. You'd be like, all right, number seven, I want you to try hard. I'm like, yeah, all the horses are trying hard. <laughs> Is he going to go to the, the the race thing and be like, look, this random frog in the audience wanted me to win, guys? Look, guys. What do you, what do you say, huh? Why don't you Why don't you give me this one? <laughs> There's a frog that wants his dick wet over there, and, uh, you know, I'm going to help him out. <laughs> I think he might be endangered. Uh, but this, of course, he loudly announces that uh, this is the place to find spies and bad guys. So, of course, the spies and bad guys that are nearby are like, oh, we should go kill him. Yep. And they fail to. Yeah, and we establish his fighting style. He he has, he just punches and kicks people. But it's it's a really weird thing because normally in these in these movies, cartoon punching and kicking has some, like, flow to it. Like, he'll kick them and they should go flying off screen or whatever. But instead, everyone he kicks in the face, it just makes a tonk noise and then they fall down. Yeah. From where yeah. they were. The, like, they have, the, like I said, the, the, these sequences where some are really well animated, and then the sequences that you think would be exciting to watch, that they would put some effort into, he'll just stick an arm or a leg out and everybody falls down. That's it. Yeah. Uh. And then he leaps, he, he knocks them all over, four spies come up and they're like, we are going to kill you. The message we have for you is death. And his response is, uh, I guess you should give me the message then. And he beats them up and jumps to the top of the stands, which I guess these spy these these thugs lack object permanence because they're like he vanished. Well, He's gone like from a let's, video game. There, let's make a loud phone call. <laughs> they're thugs Boss. from a stealth game, huh? Yeah. Guess it was nothing. Guess it was nothing. Turns around, still has arrow in back. <laughs> They call their boss and they're like, hey, we couldn't kill Freddy. And he's like, you shouldn't have been trying to. And they're like, yeah, well, we fucked everything up. Anyway, we'll meet you at our next place. Big Ben. Let's announce that out loud here 
outside. The next where- target is Big Ben, which I assume, the thing is, it's El Supremo talking to them, and I don't think Brian Blessed can whisper. No. Yeah. And the, even even <laughs> if Freddie had run, animated in the background, like five feet away from these goons, are other people. Yeah. Like, they didn't stop to get out to someplace quiet or secluded. They're just like, hello, boss. The next evil plan well, is Big Ben. Yeah, you guys. Know. <laughs> Freddie said it in the beginning when they went there. This is a place where bad guys hang out. Everyone else there is a bad guy. No <laughs> one cares. <laughs> All the bad guys are like, yeah, you're doing bad guy business. I get it. <laughs> I like how Freddie, because Freddie is cheating at horse racing, obviously. Uh, the bad guys who were following him were like, well, he's cheating at horse racing. We should just also cheat at horse racing. Well, I'm just going to copy him. He's a frog with magic powers. He probably knows which horse will win. <laughs> now, I do want to point out, because this is our first time seeing the villain of the movie, El yes. Supremo, on the screen. Um, and uh, the, the friend who, again, I really want to point out, recommended that I not watch this film when, when they told me about it, <laughs> said... El Supremo looks like a racist caricature, but I couldn't tell you of who. Like, <laughs> huh. I can see that, I guess. I kind of figured, like, if Will Riker was the was the devil in a 1920s cartoon. It, I, to, to me, like, I, I it, it's so accurate. It's like, yeah, it's got, like, these pointed features and yellow eyes and mm-hmm. fangs. Like, it looks like... Any propaganda poster, just sub in whoever they're demonizing, and I mean, that's El Supremo. I mean, his name is El Supremo. Let's let's be honest. Let's put that. <laughs> let's put the cards on the table. Yeah, he's I don't Brian think... Blessed. He's. I don't think he's supposed to be like Spanish or anything. No. The thing is, he's called El Supremo. Has absolutely nothing to do with any Spanish speaking place on earth Mm -hmm. and also to me looks like brian blessed if he was a dracula (laughs) who are wildly different (laughs) takes some kind of racist caricature of something will riker as the fat devil and brian blessed as a cartoon cartoon dracula (laughs) cartoon Cartoon dracula Dracula. i also look like to me he looks like the kind of person who should be menacing the animaniacs (laughs) yeah sure yeah but but at any yeah (laughs) I, I kind of figure he's like Argentinian or Brazilian or something, but he's really British. He just moved there so he could lord over people. Yeah, that's kind of that, that. That was the vibe I got from him. Well, he has his own basically Nazi army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that also includes the KKK. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> there. Literally Nazis. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> but for now, we just get to see him for the first time, and also the snake on his desk, which is clearly just Messina still. And you're like, wait, is she the power behind this guy? That's got to be the case, right? She's a thousand-year-old sorcerer queen. No. No. She's just decided that this fat vampire is my daddy now. Yeah, it's just... It's a BDSM relationship that they have. They just love being evil. He loves fucking a snake, and... That's how there, they live their there lives. It is. Well, if you're going to fuck a snake, you should definitely find one that's got an hourglass figure stuck <laughs> yeah. along its snake body. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's... And then uh, obviously Freddy overhears the Big Ben thing. So he tells his friends uh, to uh, follow him, but then he calls in to the Brigadier General and yeah, is he, like... Well, he tells them, oh, they're going after like... Windsor we- Castle. Windsor Castle. Yeah. But 
he's like, oh, I'm going to wait until we actually get inside Big Ben. And they're like, hey, why are we here, by the way? And he's like, because this is the next target. <laughs> yeah. He was like, this is the art of diversion, where he was like calling the Brigadier General and being like, the next target, Windsor Castle. Because you see, the general is a soldier, and he would try to capture them, but I want to get captured for some reason. I also think I'm pretty sure that he already, because he's the person who eventually reveals that Trilby is a spy in the Brigadier General Service. I feel like he's feeding misinformation back to that spy, but the movie's probably not quite at that level of thought, so probably not. (laughs) He just wants to get captured, because... Our, the whole deal with with Freddy is that he does not give a fuck about anything in the world. <laughs> yeah, Freddy is an go. immortal frog wizard, and he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Nothing bad will ever happen to Freddy, and he knows. Uh, he also knows that bad things will happen to other people, and does not care. Yeah, not he, a he little is, bit. He has moved beyond our petty mortalities. So he's just like, I want to get captured so I can mess with them. And they're like, uh, you know, we're both human agents, right? We could easily die. We're not frogs with psychic telekinesis. And <laughs> you will be fine. Well, at least Daffers will be fine. Scotty, I'm sorry you do nothing for me. <laughs> I do want you to watch, though. <laughs> so it's important now that we talk about the next uh, music sequence in the film. Ah. Evil Mania is coming up, isn't it? Yeah. This is the most bizarre sequence in the movie. It's like four minutes long. Mm -hmm. And each thing visually that happens during this song that has no sauce whatsoever and has a chorus of low-class British accent backup singers in it that, that are just kind of like moaning their lines we just mm-hmm. see a parade of like racist villain imagery. It's it's incredible. Yeah, you uh-huh. get basically get some Nazi recolors. They're yeah. they're doing black and red. Well, they have the uh their own little symbol for the snake cult thing that yeah, they are. Hourglass is, thing, yeah. It's basically an hourglass with a little, you know, couple bits taken off. Yeah. And they're using that instead of a swastika. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, they have, like, clan members mm-hmm. in there working for them for some reason. Now, you may be wondering, what is the thrust of the song? Because obviously in most musicals, when there's a song break, it's so they can convey some information that otherwise might take a long time to explain. You know, like how Moana has a, her father has a song about how it's important for her to stay in the village. And they don't just want to have her have him, like, say that. So it's like, he has this whole song where he explains a, a tremendous amount of movie in about three minutes of interesting song. So what is the premise of Evil Mania? Well, you see... Messina is evil. Uh, and she has lots of natural weapons she wants to describe. And maybe yeah. she'll sting you. Yeah, well and she does murder many of these people as she sings this song. She like very graphically strangles people while while this song is going on. Mm-hmm. Oh and, yeah. Or electrocutes them to death or throws them out of the flying snake airplane that is their base of operations. You gotta wonder. I mean, I know that they have an indoctrination room, so yeah. I figure that's got to be used heavily, because otherwise, again, one of those things where you're like, oh, as soon as the boss starts a musical number, at least five of us are dead. 
Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I understand why. This is part of my reasoning for why I think that El Supremo has picked up his name from the locals in either Argentina or Brazil, because he's got a lot of discount leftover Nazis in his employ. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're just uh, yes. a, a parade of dime store Nazis getting very graphically murdered. And, you know, yeah. there are other, like, evil people. There are people, like, with hoods and skull faces and whatnot, and they're very horny about this snake through the whole thing. She's shaking her <laughs> snake hips. <Yep>. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a lot. The whole thing can, is just a lot. You can and, tell that, that El Supremo is into her electricity. Yeah, that's like a thing for them. And and what genre of music would you imagine this number is, dear listener? Oh I'll yeah, yeah, you definitely want to know. Bet you didn't guess it was funk. <laughs> <laughs> bet that didn't occur to you. No, uh, it's got a pretty similar cadence to play that funky music, white boy. <laughs> it is a, uh, it is an interesting choice to say the least. Yeah, that is. The problem I have with a lot of the music in this, not just the musical numbers, the the soundtrack selection, the fight that Freddy got, got in with the goons had some music behind it, and it was all just like... I'm like, this isn't fight music. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, we've already had the Jefferson Starship song, and the climactic fight of the movie takes place to a rip-roaring stadium tear-the-roop-off Asia song. Yeah. They have no idea how to set a scene. <laughs> I mean, I, I I expect this sort of shit from Jefferson Starship. For God's sake, they're in the they're in the Star Wars holiday special. Yeah, but Asia, what are you doing I'm here? I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> they're getting a check. <laughs> That's I guess they are. You can join Gilbert Gottfried in the line for getting a check. <laughs> uh, so. They they do a D, yeah, Evil Mania happens, and it, it has no thrust. It's just cartoon movies have musical numbers, right, guys? Let's just put two of them in here and hey, you have to give the bad guy a musical number, right? Here's a musical number where the snake's like, I'm evil, and I'll murder you, because I'm evil. Because I love evil. I love evil mania. That's, that, so, I mean, that's way more musicality than the song had. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Uh, then our, one of the visuals I actually like in this film is the villain's vehicle, which is this huge floating airship snake with lightning between its various joints as it flies around through the sky. That's kind of cool. Neat idea. Never used for anything. No, I mean, it eats Big Ben. We we watch it. It's got a shrink rate. Big Ben. It just grabs it with a weird magic claw. It's got, yeah, it's got a magic claw and a shrink ray. So it shrinks Big Ben as it's bringing it up into its cavernous interior. No, man, it shrinks it oh, after it gets to the island. That's right, because the, our heroes did not get shrunk. Never mind. Yeah. yeah. Good point. It just grabs them with a, when I say magic claw, I mean a claw made out of, like, pink mist, mm-hmm. grabs Big Ben and just flies off with it. This does no structural damage to it. No, of course not. I mean, when it picks up Buckingham Palace, there's a big fucking hole through the middle of it, because, you know, Buckingham Palace is a courtyard, and yet it, it doesn't, it doesn't, no problem. not one brick. It looks solid on the bottom. You know, they uh, put a lot of effort into developing that transportation technology not to harm these monuments, because that's yeah, not the course. point. That would that would lower their value. You need a mint in box. It would lower their value, because the, the plan uh, as uh, will get revealed after they, they steal Big Ben and, and shrink it down is that he's doing a ritual because 
these monuments represent British culture and history. That is what British people fight and die for when they mm -hmm. go to war. And if you can reverse the polarity of the energy that those monuments have, you can take away their will to fight and simply conquer them as they are sleepy. Yeah, he should have noticed in the late 80s all the British people stopped caring about their monuments and just kidnapped Jeremy Clarkson in the cast of Top Gear and, and <laughs> would have overridden them immediately. Yes, I've stolen Hyacinth Bouquet. Yeah, the... Uh... The whole thing to me, being that it was made by British people, kept making me think that this was like some kind of send-up of British people being like, oh, you all don't care about culture anymore, and that's why you're lazy. I think it's funny that they tried to sell this in the United States with a a staggering implication that American people would, would remember more British monuments than we actually do. Like, the yeah. movie culminates in a part where they're stealing Edinburgh Castle. Yeah. And I'm like... Americans don't know Edinburgh has a castle. Americans sometimes know there's an Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> no one in America knows what Ascot is. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, you stole Big Ben and Stonehenge, Buckingham Palace. And, and sure, Stonehenge fine. stolen off screen. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's just mentioned as stolen. And also they steal... Um, I'll tell you, when they steal Big Ben and the Tower of London, I guarantee you 5,000 Americans, the only ones who ever saw this movie, were all like, I thought those were the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> they do also work in a joke about how London Bridge cannot be stolen because at this point it has already been purchased and shipped to Arizona, where it mm -hmm. is to this day. Uh, so they're just like, well, they sold the Tower of London. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought they'd stop at the bridge. Yeah, so. Uh, but El Supremo has a fleet of submarines mm -hmm. full of discount Nazis that are ready to take over the sleepy British as soon as he puts uh, Edinburgh Castle, the final piece, in his weird mystic uh, puzzle. I love that the uh, it's a, a film made in Great Britain in the UK, so obviously they have to assume that the British would actually resist a secret sub-army nowadays, as opposed to like not even looking up from Gogglebox for even a second. Although, I do have to say, when he starts the the final thing and he's like, all right, now we're going to reverse the polarity on this and make all of these British people sleepy, it shows this like pink and purple energy creeping across the UK, mm -hmm. and it goes into Ireland, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, sir, none of them give a shit about any of those. No one wants those monuments. You have to go get the Irish monuments. Yeah. The second you're like, we stole British monuments, all of the Irish people are going to be like, ha, fuck them. <laughs> Damn, yeah. we can't do our plan to steal all the British monuments. There's you've you've ruined it we'll fight you nobody gets to beat up the british but us now <laughs> we've, we've earned it we've put in the time yeah if <laughs> how they, dare you and they made if they made this movie today they could have just waited to invade until all british people were busy making panel shows <laughs> and ah. <laughs> uh... The things you know about Britain. Uh, yeah, pretty much David Mitchell, Lee Mack. It pretty much ends there. I'm, I'm an expert on Great Britain if it's Jimmy Carfax. <laughs> ah, yes. Carfax. 
check the Carfax. For example, did you know he was arrested for tax evasion? <laughs> it's right there on the Carfax. It, at, at the beginning of every single Big Fat Quiz episode. Okay, so anyway, we both watch a lot of British TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Freddie, for some reason, even though we have established that he has magic psychic powers of telekinesis, he will not use them basically ever. Well, he basically he, he has to have a sequence where his dead father imparts wisdom to him to remind him that, oh, yeah, I just have fucking telekinesis. <laughs> and that's can... the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> it really is to remind him. The movie forgets that he has these powers. Yes. Because, I mean, the sequence of events is that the first time they invade the ship, they just get caught. Like, they fight yeah. off some guards, but then they just get caught. And uh, they consign Scotty and and uh, Freddy to death. They're going to put them in a, in a shark tank and dunk them into an ocean sea, uh, area where, for some reason, this El Supremo guy has gathered a wide ray, array of random sea monsters. Yes. That's just part of it. Yeah. He's got a the island of worms, mm -hmm. and he's got an island base where in the it, middle in of Scotland, it, in Scotland, yeah, we mentioned that it's Scotland. It, yeah, I, it's, it's in Scotland. Important, obviously, <laughs> the island of worms in Scotland has a hole in the middle of it that leads to an entire water-filled area full of sea monsters, mm -hmm. but not the sea monsters you might think of. Yeah, not mm -hmm. the good ones, bad ones. And uh, that that sets off a whole homophobic sequence where the only way that Fr that Scotty be can be kept alive underwater is if he routinely receives what are referred to in the movie, obviously, as French kisses from from uh, Freddy the Frog because he keeps blowing oxygen into his lungs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're the, going to need another kiss. Like the 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 themes of sexual assault are played forward in in that whole sequence it's like you have to do this or you will die and i will acknowledge that you don't want me to do it every time yeah yeah i'm going to give you another one of my special kisses and in front of a lady <laughs> <laughs> how embarrassing for you <laughs> don't oh. worry it's working for me <laughs> That's all that matters as long as Freddy gets his. I'm going to pretend you are Daffers. But <laughs> meanwhile, Daffers, who has also been ca uh, captured, the, uh, because El Supremo is a, cl a thinly veiled rapist, is just like, I will keep her for my own sexual amusement. Oh, yeah. So, He's a classic horny villain. Yeah. Take her to the room of... of uh, like what's indoctrination the word? indoctrination where she stands there and chants uh the snake will rule the world for for the middle third of the movie yeah yeah never actually put under never gets indoctrinated no not even a little although i gotta say i think she's at least a little indoctrinated because her re her big reveal of the second combat sequence when she decides to go like i was never indoctrinated is by saying something entirely different freddy will rule the world which is a weird thing to say uh, He's just a frog secret agent. He has no designs on national governance. It's true. <laughs> it was a weird moment. <laughs> In a movie made out of weird moments. <laughs> and then she strips into her ballerina fighting outfit. Now, before that happens, I know, of course, I know. I don't want to skip Nessie. We have to announce that uh, the way that they will get out of this cage... Uh, 
when they are off of the coast of Scotland mm -hmm. is that Freddy will whistle and call for Nessie, who will leave the lock and come to their rescue in, let's say, under a minute. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. The Isle of Worms is kind of like the Isle of Man or something, where it's one of those many, many islands that's off the coast of Scotland. But so obviously she can get there instantly. And also, this is where her family lives. Yeah. Weirdly. <laughs> like she's got a whole kingdom there. And they spend a lot of time there. Well, There's yeah, because no I think urgency. Little Mermaid was 1991. <laughs> There's... There's 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 no like all the monuments are being taken people in britain are falling asleep the nazi army is waiting in the submarines and freddy's just like i think i'll hang out and do a music sequence and then some here it's so fucking weird he's like all right <laughs> all of these problems are going on daffer's being indoctrinated i left scotty on a rock in the middle of the ocean where he is clearly shivering and going to die from hypothermia. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, but, but these big sea monsters though, I got to get a jam in with them. <laughs> yeah. Because once she rescues him, he's just like, well, I can breathe underwater. First of all, no, you can't. I mean, unless it's one of your magic powers, I guess you're still a fro frogs are amphibious. I'm I'm putting my foot down. So are plesiosaurs. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> so Scotty just gets a is stuck on a rock to shiver in the, in the, frozen scottish winter ocean uh well nessie takes him down just to introduce him to her family freddie and then she's like and i just have a little song i prepared for this you know i just gotta just real quick here we got a moment did someone hand me a mic oh i couldn't possibly i'm just a shy girl yeah. it's i need it's to reveal so to you freddie that i'm horny for you and <laughs> i have been presumably a for a thousand years <laughs> about how when i met you and we were both kids i was like God damn that frog, though. He was a frog-sized, frog-shaped frog at that time. Yeah. He had no... I, I guess I shouldn't be consider, th consider that weird, given that she is a plesiosaur, so she has no human characteristics either, except for, during the time in which she's singing, rockin' tits. <laughs> and when they go... When they are traveling to the, the this kingdom, her, her underwater kingdom, they pass the Nazi submarines. Yep. The danger yeah, he's like, is clearly oh. present. <laughs> look at that what do you know anyway how's the family doing introduce me to your entire family and a little little uh nessie jr swims up and it's like mama is this freddy the, the the frog you told me about from a thousand years ago who used telekinesis once to free your feet from a rock that you could have easily gotten out of by yourself and so you've dedicated your life to waiting for him yes <laughs> And, it's and now you're going to do a torch song about it? It's weird because it's not like this isn't a place where a musical number would be wrong if you were doing a musical number that was about gathering troops yeah. and them going and stopping these submarines. And yeah, like, if they were doing a while girl... they were singing, they were stopping the submarines. Yeah, if they were doing like make, uh, uh, make a Man Out of You or A Girl Worth Fighting For from Mulan, that would make sense in this context. Like, this is the kind of thing where it's a mid-battle song. Yeah. And instead, they replace it with, hey, before you go, literally the, <laughs> the diegesis of this film is, I don't want you to go help your friends yet. 
I need to sing a horny song. Yeah. Yeah. Because her whole song is basically like, I'm normally very shy and reserved, but when I'm around you, I want to do stuff. Sex stuff. (laughs) And she sings this to her giant family, including tons and tons of her own kids, which makes me wonder... Where's the Where's the dad Nessie? What What is 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 he the dad Nessie? And we never discussed it. It could I mean, be. He's been around a thousand years. We don't know what he got up to. <laughs> he might have gotten up to Nessie, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm kind of assuming that there's asexual reproduction going on. Like that's got to be it. Otherwise, this scene comes takes on new layers of weirdness, which is crazy to even think it could. As the Loch Ness Monster sings a song about how she wants to have sex with this anthropomorphic frog in front of her kids by someone else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and some of her children helping in the oh, song. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, th- thankfully, their chorus bits aren't about how they want to bang Freddy. They're just like, we like to blow bubbles and stay out of troubles or whatever. Well, well they like to blow bubbles, <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> anyway, she does a very long torch song and then finally freddy's like okay i guess we should go rescue scotty all right well i guess that was enough uh you guys go take care of the submarines and i'll fuck daffers and then uh he goes and gets scotty back and then they do the old i've got a dead frog help me you nazis trick on the beach Help me, I've got a dead frog. Someone, come out here. Ah, ach, a dead frog. <laughs> what do I do with this? A dead human-sized frog. <laughs> and that works. It works. Those Nazis get kicked in the face. And then they all go back up to the uh, the, the space snake where they get in a climactic fight against uh, a bunch of Baron or El Supremo's goons and then eventually El Supremo himself. And in a, in a scene that I thought was going to be way grosser than it actually was, and I, I'm sure you guys know exactly what I mean. Oh, yes. Yeah. You mean the Big Ben scene? The scene where they put Big Ben directly under El Supremo's ass and then yeah. cause it to grow. Also, I gotta say, when we got introduced to the concept of the shrink ray that they have, there is a control panel where you pull the control down and it shrinks, and if you push it up, it'll grow. Yeah. Yep. Freddy notices this. The film gives us a very clear Freddy sees this panel and sees how it works. Mm-hmm. But instead of, I thought for sure he was going to use his mind powers to just make the switch go forward. Yeah. And do it. And instead he has to like put on a little show for El Supremo so Daffers can do it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Daffers at this point, by the way, has stripped into her battle armor, which is a a yellow and pink ballet outfit, and she's doing very slow kung fu on the Nazis, while Scotty is just running around with a haggis, uh, because there was a haggis joke earlier in the movie, but now he's just got one, and he's using it like a club, and he's just wailing away at Nazis with a haggis. And and these Nazis do have guns. Yes, they have guns. No one cares until one scene after they've missed every shot they've ever taken when uh, Scotty is told to turn on his bullet bubble shield. Yes, because we saw that at the beginning when we were introduced to him. They had a little pull-up shield that uh, was essentially like a plastic thing that bullets got stopped in. Yes. But it is also pliable enough that you could punch through it and like hit someone with your fist through it but if a bullet hit it it would stop and not bend it at all 
Right. Now, at this point, they're all fighting. Freddy is attacked by, I can't remember if it's Messina or just another snake. I don't. I genuinely don't remember. There are no other snakes. But he gets coiled up in, 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 uh, in her clutches because she's a, a cobra and a boa constrictor. Uh, and uh, while he's being choked to death, he has a flashback to his father. And in a film full of terrible animation, this sequence of his father is far and away the weirdest and worst. Yeah. His father moves like he's in those old Zelda CDI games. Yes. Oh, yes. I, I wonder what's for dinner. That that stuff. <laughs> and his father's just like, Freddie, you are. No, I'm sorry. He shouldn't be French because he's not. He's like, Freddie, you are best when you are on your last breath, which is Freddie's cue to go. Oh, yeah, I have mind powers. I'll just use the magic that I can always do and don't struggle <laughs> to use ever. That was always an option. Yeah. At least when he was young. When he used his mind powers to, like, lift the rock off of Nessie's tail, we are shown it drains him. Yeah, it makes him tired. And so I was like, all right, I guess he must have, like, a last case. Like, if things go to shit, I'll use this because after I do it, I'll get knocked out. But no, he's just like, and mind powers on Messina, and I'm fine. Everything's fine. And I mind powers all the rest of the Nazis out of the room. We're done. Everything's fine. And that's when El Supremo has some big drop where he's like, now I will do the thing that wins the thing. And it won't well, work. He, he's like, I'll destroy these monuments uh, unless right. you let me kill you, yeah. FRO7. And he's like, well, the queen would never forgive me if I let you destroy Big Ben. So... Sure. Yeah, I surrender. Whatever. Really, he's setting up Daffers to go do the size alteration thing. Meanwhile, El Supremo calls the submarines and orders them to attack England. And what present prevents this? What do 300 giant sea monsters do to stop the submarines? They tie them all together so they sw so they float around in loops. Yeah, the you giant know. climactic battle between submarine and sea monster is we tied <laughs> some seaweed into your propellers. We did the old Melvin on him. <laughs> and then, yeah, they they uh, they sneak Big Ben directly underneath uh, El Supremo's prodigious ample posterior. And you think, oh, no, the movie's going to do the thing. I, I can't believe it's going to do the thing. But instead, it catches him by the back of the pants and lifts him up off the ground. And and by the hands of the clock, not by the point of the tower, which... which yes. It really... Bucks expectations in every possible way. <laughs> it's so horny and yet refuses to commit. Well, I mean, when you think about it, when you, when you think of famous animated Big Ben sequences, obviously it was 1985 when they made The Great Mouse Detective, yeah. and that was the hands of the clock and not the top, so it's just going to copy every Disney movie. Shame. Hmm. Uh, at this point, Messina finally reveals herself, and she's like, it is I, Messina, which is a weird thing for her to say, because he has been consistently calling her his aunt throughout the this, this sequence. It's strange to me that she decided at some point in her life that she would rather be a snake than a person, mm -hmm. because she very briefly at this point, like, turns back into a human before she tries several other animals that are not snake and a different snake. Mm -hmm. And I just keep going like, it's weird that why wouldn't we know you have the powers of wizard magic, not just for yourself. Why don't you be like, all right, I'm going to turn Freddy into like, I don't know, a snail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So they get in a climactic fight, which is hilarious because, again, I got to make this very clear. You remember how we talked earlier about how Freddy has a never-ending swagger when he walks like he's the beginning of Shapoopy? Um, that that translates to his entire life. So at no point throughout his fight with Messina does he ever re- look at all like he's even slightly pressed. He doesn't even stop smiling the whole time. Yeah, He's just like, I don't care about any of this, you, <laughs> you horrible wizard. You will never affect me in the slightest. Oh, auntie, you bit off more than you can chew. <laughs> so there's a point where she realizes how futile her life has been. And she turns into a scorpion and and bothers his feet and whines at him. Where she's just like, there's three of you and there's only one of me. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah, and she uh, has, like, electricity powers. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand. We established in the song that you can zap people. You've got poison. Like, you've got poison. You've got transmogrification powers. All of these things. And yet in this fight, she's just like, nope. We're doing it old-fashioned wizard rules. I have to turn into a thing and then kill you as that thing. Yeah, she's doing. She's playing under Madame Mim rules, and he is not following suit. He's like, I'm not wizards dueling you. I'm a spy frog. I will just keep punching you. But, yeah, so she goes from snake to bird to scorpion to pig to larger snake, which... If that was an option, why were you always bigger, worse snake? Yeah, yeah, she decided to make herself small and vulnerable through a lot of the fight for some reason. Yeah, and then eventually he just, he has another flashback to how great he is, spins her around a bunch to get out of the coils of her, and just throws her. And she coils around a, a nearby flagpole sticking out of the wall and is like, uh, you know what? I, I guess you win. <laughs> Bye. I'm going to turn into a vulture and fuck off. <laughs> yeah, I guess fuck this. Goodbye. I, I've, we're both apparently immortal and magic, so I'm going to go find someone else to be my daddy. <laughs> it's been fun. You caught El Supremo. I am not the villain of the film, even though that makes no sense. Good day. I'll go find an American pervert. <laughs> it's so weird that when, like, the general then shows up as she is leaving, it was like, wow. That was some ugly creature. And he's like, it was some old bird, eh? <laughs> my aunt. <laughs> but, like, treats her as if she is completely not a threat at all. He's literally like, I will see you later, auntie. He doesn't care. Yeah. He's just like, all right, bye, immortal wizard queen. Uh, anyway, we got, <laughs> we got vampire blessed, so I guess everything turned out all right. Plus, we get all the monuments. And we, we have there's a scene where he get, lets the queen inflate Buckingham Palace. By herself. Because that's her fetish is yeah. the inflation. Yeah. And then there's and, a big party true. where every, there's a big party where everyone's <laughs> horny for him. He gets offered the knighthood. But he can't take it because he's French. Yeah, he's like, oh, that would piss off my president. <laughs> Which is a weird thing for the rightful sorcerer king of France to say, I think. All things considered. <laughs> all things considered, you'd think he would be like, you know, I have a claim to this country. And I'm a wizard. I mean, you'd think he might have had a claim to the country if it hadn't taken him a thousand years of being a frog to grow up. And by the time he did, he realized the French monarchy had been abolished. I don't I, think he... I, he lived through the French uprisings. I don't think he wants to mention his his, his title. I don't want that kind of heat. <laughs> it's It's so weird to me, the magic in this world. Yeah. That sometimes is absolutely fine and unremarked upon. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> the fact that his car is 
alive and can jump around, they're mostly just embarrassed that they're jumping on other cars Mm -hmm. rather than that this car is magical. (laughs) However, when Freddy shows up and is an anthropomorphic frog, everyone's like, wow, this is so weird and a unique thing. Mm -hmm. And I just keep thinking, how? How is this weird? You live in the weirdest, stupidest magic world. (laughs) Uh, Also, there's a scene where Scotty gets to meet Nessie, and the most he says is, oh, she is real. Yeah. (laughs) Setting up this entire movie as we have one dude who's Scottish named Scotty has a haggis, and it's his whole deal, and we finally have him meet Nessie, and he's just like, neat, anyway. (laughs) I mean, I was actually invested in, in saving the country. I, I don't know about you, Freddie, because you went off and did a long music sequence. Oh, no, I couldn't care less. Empires, they come and go. Freddy is forever. <laughs> Do you know how many times I have watched Britain fall? <laughs> I'm not even the king of France. I am the king of Gaul. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we do get a sequence uh, where where the traitor is is captured and Freddy does explain, I knew that he was a traitor because he has this very obvious tattoo on his wrist. And everyone's like, wow, you're so good. You're so novel. Here's some more presents and blowjobs. I, can't I will wait. take all of them. <laughs> and then the, the Brigadier General gets a phone call. Because that's his whole gimmick in the movie is getting phone calls, and uh, this this one is from America, and they need the the greatest French secret agent right away. And the brigadier general's like, "All right, you got it. I will send Freddy to you." And I'm like, "And he can also take along his little his little fuck friend and Scotty. We don't need him. You have fun. And also, I guess he's under my jurisdiction now, even though we spent the start of the movie establishing that he's a guest investigator from France." <laughs> Well, the way most spy deals work is until he fucks the agent that you send him out with, his job is not complete for you. So yeah, oh. she she has to fuck him and then die, mm-hmm. and, and that that's and then then he's allowed to be done with that mission. So technically, he's still working for MI six. <laughs> By the way, speaking of phone calls, one last thing I want to mention, please. At the very beginning of the film, mm-hmm. when we get the absolute smash cut of and then i left and then england called and you're like wait what (laughs) his phone is a frog head and i just had to say how weird that would be if i went to someone's house and they had a human head as their telephone well also if their car was a human yeah i mean obviously that sort of thing is a very weird thing to think about that he drives around in a in a in a car the same shape as his body it's just Real disconcerting when you think about it for a minute. Uh, one one thing that I did want to talk about in in terms of the the credit sequence for for this film, there was just a very distinct uh, way that these credits began, and that is in big text before they introduce the cast. You know, kind of breaking with with film tradition. They have a message that said, "Freddy as Fro Seven was made in its entirety." At Hollywood Road Film Productions studio in Battersea, London. They really (laughs) put that up front. Hey, this is British animation, you fucks. So get used to it because we're going to be around for a long time. We've achieved something here. 
We don't want anyone else getting credit for this one. <laughs> We've arrived. Not since Terry Gilliam used to do those. Or was it was it Terry Terry Pratt? Who who did the animation for uh, for uh, Monty Python? Uh, Wasn't Terry uh, Pratchett? I can tell you that. No, no, definitely not that. I thought it was Terry Gilliam, but that, then again, he's like a famous filmmaker, so I don't remember. I think it might be Terry. <laughs> I don't know. I think it might I be. Know. I think it, I, all I think it Briti- actually might all be. British men look the same. Yes, and have the same names. Yeah, sure. Terry, Terry Gilliam. Gilliam. Perfect. Good. Yep. That I'm not out it. of my mind. Th- I right. did it. We did it. Google, thank you. Yeah. I was just trying to think, what's the earliest British animation I can think of? And I was like, well, technically it's that yellow submarine movie with the blue meanie and shit from the Beatles. But after that, it's all Monty Python. Yep. And then Freddy is FRO7. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> We've made it, boys. Yeah. And that was the height of achievement. <laughs> that was it. That was what they had. Yeah, that's why the uh, people at Ardman cry cry themselves to sleep every night. They're like, we made Chicken Run, but it'll never be Freddy as FRO7. Yeah, that's the thing. It's not it's not tr- traditional 2D animation. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you. Uh, uh, we're going to go ahead and do our bests and worsts. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to throw it over to Jeff first. I'm going to give you some time, James, to think about this. Good Lord. <laughs> the best thing in this movie, Jeff. Whew. Okay, um, I'm going to say my favorite thing of all in this movie is probably going to be uh, the couple of shock voice cast appearances. When mm. you're like, oh shit, is that Jonathan Price? I think that's Jonathan fucking Price. And the same thing with Brian Blessed, just doing Brian Blessed, which is you know always a welcome... Any movie he's in, he's, it's my favorite part. Yeah. Boss and Ass is the best part of Phantom Menace. That big bird man he plays is the best part of Flash Gordon. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm gonna throw it over to, to not the voice acting in general, because that's atrocious, but just a couple people taking real risks to ruin their own careers. Good. Ben Kingsley, you know, almost, almost destroyed their own careers, and I appreciate that. John, what was your favorite thing? Oh, my favorite thing is definitely Smash Cut 1,000 years later. <laughs> none of this mattered. <laughs> that was that was a moment where I was like, I'm sorry, what the fuck is happening in this film? And then I did not have to leave that headspace for the rest of it. Well, yeah, the moment they're like, a, th- a long time ago, ancient France had magician kings. You're like, <laughs> wait, is this movie going in a different direction than I thought? Is this oh, wait, gonna be a- I, Yeah, because I was like, wait a minute, I thought this was about a, a modern spy... Thing, and now you're smash cut to ancient France and it's Wizard King. Yeah. And you're like, is this going to be a, a spy send up in medieval times? Because that would actually be kind of neat. No. No, it isn't. This is just weird and pointless and it's my favorite thing. Uh, yeah. James? It, well, I got to say, you definitely nailed it. I I, I had uh, writ- written down that the word magician king got mentioned. But <laughs> if we if we set that aside, uh, and, and I got to think of something else as the best thing from this movie, uh, th- there's part of me that enjoys the the final fight sequence of the movie not because it's a good well not final fight sequence but the fight sequence of the movie to the asia song because (laughs) it makes no sense it does it's like not well placed it's bad to watch it's not enjoyable but it's like so discordant and the music does not match what's happening on screen at all it's like i i can't look away i can't stop thinking about this and i'm having 
a good time. It is a fantastic sequence because it, it, it's the sequence where we introduce two of my favorite aspects of the movie, Daffers' ballet battle armor, mm-hmm. and Scotty just whips out a haggis, even though he is Mr. Guns. He has pockets full of guns on every side, but now he is bought into Freddy's bullshit. So he's like, I'll fight with a haggis. I don't fucking care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Now, worst part of this movie, Jeff. Uh, it's probably I'm probably going to go ahead and say it's Evil Mania. All right. Yeah. Uh, Evil Mania is a terrible, way too long song. I don't know why it's a funk jam. It, it's tuneless and formless and stupid. And and uh, it doesn't belong where it is. At least the other major song, I'm a Shy Girl, is so weirdly horny that it, it gives you something to hang on to. Evil Mania is just crappy. Yeah. All right. So that's my least favorite thing. Okay. Uh, oh, you know what? Maybe also the racist crows. Eh, I mean, mm. just go ahead. The, the, the tinge of racism that permeates the outside edge of the movie yeah. is obviously present and would be everyone's worst thing and can therefore be safely disregarded. It, I will say the racism is one of the most consistent themes of the movie, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, England. <laughs> we appreciate that constancy. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say the worst thing for me, I it almost has to be the shy girl thing for me because it's so like momentum stomping. Mm-hmm. It's just like, all right, even though the rest of this is very poorly like acted, the sound quality is garbage, like the animation is almost all shit. Like it's moving a plot forward and then you get to shy girl and it comes to a screeching halt right when it should be hitting the climax of the film for no reason. (laughs) And that's gotta be it for me. All right. That's fair. I mean, the, the real thing is that, that this movie is somehow boring. That we've said all of these, this cavalcade of insane imagery and bizarre moments that, that it's so much fun to speak this movie aloud, but to watch it is actually, you know, just not exciting. And I nearly fell asleep several times watching this movie. <laughs> if I have that to is just, fair. It, it, it's like, it's the reason that, listener, you cannot and should not watch this movie. No. Th- this was the best experience of this movie. Let the movie be on its own. If I have to make it a moment, though, it's when Daffer shows her tits to Freddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it makes no sense. They've just met. She's in a professional context. She's at work in front of <laughs> she, her boss. Yeah, it's not even like, oh, we're both going towards like a changing room or something and I'm going to give you a little glimpse on the way out. Like... All of the higher-ups are there. She is being introduced to a (laughs) foreign agent Mm -hmm. while she is working, and she's just like, yeah, but get a load of these. (laughs) (laughs) Look, that's a talking frog, man. I need to fuck that. I need to fuck him. I cannot let there be a chance that this frog doesn't think I'm interested for even a second. I put that on my bucket list thinking it was impossible. I think she just shows her tits to foreign people. She's just like very proud of British intelligence and boobs. British intelligence (laughs) is boobs. She's just like, hey, get a load of these Nigella Lawson's froggy. (laughs) Yeah, it almost harkens to to Jeff's favorite kind of movie for a second there. (laughs) 
<laughs> some tits are there and people are excited about it. Yeah, excited boob comedy is my favorite type of film. There aren't nearly enough of them. Oh. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to go ahead and do the rating for this film. And no one else is allowed to join in. I'll give it a rating out of 10. That's right. Every time we get a guest, it's a new rating system. <laughs> this gets... Tell you what, you should get everything to the left of the decimal, and we should get everything to the right of the decimal. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this movie gets a 3 out of 10. And for the decimal? I will defer to James. Uh, 3... I'm going to keep it at three. I, I feel three is too high, cumulatively. It, it's it's too too high. This was three point negative six. It is. Ah, God. You know, the, the problem is, although this movie as a movie is bad, as a thing to discuss as that kind of object is great. It's it's the reason that I wanted you to discuss this movie. Uh, so <laughs> oh, I yeah. don't know. I feel like that does give it credit in some way. No, it's like a three out of ten for me feels basically fine it is technically watchable mm -hmm. it is not abhorrent in any way well and i mean <laughs> it is well, very racist many times it's very racist <laughs> in a very animated british way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know it doesn't hit that this isn't a movie mark it doesn't hit, like, a lot of things that I feel would take it, like, to a sub one out of five. Okay, let me let me put it this way. You know how sometimes you get invited to a bad movie night and you're really worried that it's actually just going to be a bunch of Nicolas Cage cashing a paycheck type shit? Mm -hmm. Where they're like, oh, I heard of a terrible movie. It's called Bangkok Dangerously. And you're like, oh, it's fucking boring. He doesn't do anything wild in it. If you're looking for bug-eyed shit, you want to watch Vampire Kiss or whatever, but... But this is an actual good movie for Bad Movie Night. This will put your guests to the test. Oh, no. It's great because for a Bad Movie Night, you're going to watch this. And everyone is going to be so angry that they're watching this. But the payoff is once it's done, an hour and a half later, everyone is going to stand and turn to the people around them and collectively be like, what the fuck did we just watch? Yeah, it'll be like that time that you and I were the the thing and they showed us that Japanese schoolgirl horror movie. House? House. That was a perfect example of a bad movie night horror movie because something weird happens every two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what this is as well. You may be, It may have huge, long, boring segments and long songs that don't go on, but between those, something stupid and crazy happens every two minutes, which will keep your guests on their toes. And there you go. That's what I want. Three out of ten. Mm -hmm. Point negative six. <laughs> <laughs> and Excellent. it's just the decimal is negative. Yes. <laughs> just the decimal is negative. Yeah. Don't try and solve for that or anything. That is the full score. It's not... It's not 2.7 or whatever you're trying to come up with right now. It is 3. 6. Yeah. All those out there doing scoregami on this know that this is the first and probably only time you will ever get a 3.6. Thank you so much for joining us, James. Mm -hmm. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for, you know, continuing to speak to me after making you watch this. I mean, Honestly, this is our job. This is what we do. And this was 
not a delight to watch, but a delight to discuss. I mean, yeah. come on. I sent you that clip of Titanic, the animated movie. <laughs> you did. I've watched that entire movie, so you can tell uh, where my limits are at. Yeah. I, I mean, like, here's the thing. Uh, this movie, again, was presented to me as an evil thing, as a thing that should not be watched, should not be interacted with, because it has no redeeming value that that art should have. And I looked at that and was like, no, this movie can feed a baby. That's that's what we're going to do. We're going to present this to somebody who's got a bad movie podcast, and that will sustain their family. <laughs> yeah, and I had Sage watch it, too, so that's... Ah, no! <laughs> and now, now she's got to live with that. Years from now in therapy, she'll be like, I don't know, I see frogs, and I just... I feel like they're horny for da- me. Daddy, am I a shy girl? <laughs> no, no, honey, no. Hi, yeah, I'm looking for a therapist. Just anyone who can handle someone who has the worst fetishes. Just <laughs> I'm handling uh, anyone who knows about the movie Freddy as Fro Seven. Oh, trying to yeah. explain to her kids at preschool ne- or, or uh, siblings at preschool next year why she's dressed as Daffers for Halloween. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh. Well, James, where can they find you? Yeah, uh, yeah. if you're looking for my work, you can look for the One Shot Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts for different RPG stuff. You can look for the Campaign Skyjacks podcast uh, if you want something that has a, a long sort of uh, narrative that, that gets told over many episodes instead of jumping from story to story. Or you can check uh, anywhere books are sold for the Ultimate RPG Guide series, which are 90% written by me uh accepting now two books one that is written by jeff and john and and therefore i approve which is less of a book and more like a a character sheet folio and the other is written by people that i don't know uh who are using that brand name yeah that is diluting the brand yeah i you know hey I'm not going to question it. This publisher brings me a lot of money. Uh, oh, yeah. so but God they... damn it, if someone's going to dilute your brand, that's <laughs> our job. And what's funny is that we're not even going to take offense to the fact that our, co- our uh, catapulting into your brand name is, isn't really a book so much because we don't get royalties on that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that really, honestly, the fact that other people are writing uh, but you are not getting royalties on what you wrote, that does bother me the most, I think. Yeah. And yeah. it should. It's fine. We have a, we have our cookbook coming out in April. We are going to be okay. Nice natural plug. Mm-hmm. And if you want some nice natural plugs, <laughs> nice naturals, check out go these see Daffers. <laughs> no concealed weapons here. Just a cookbook. <laughs> Proper British Billy Pipers. Oh, and we of course have some bonus content. We are doing. We are going to do some TV mastery. Go over to patreon.com slash system mastery. Join us there at the $5 level. Unlocks all the bonus content we do. It's a great deal. You get a shitload of stuff. You get access to stuff on our Discord. It's wonderful. I love it. You love it. Find us on Twitter. We're at system mastery. I'm at gurgle spasm. You have been listening to TV mastery and we will see you next time. Yeah, it's fine. They don't need to listen to anything. You should be listening to TV Mastery. Give me $5 and good I, day, I sir. I think that's the first time Jeff has corrected John on the podcast and been right about it.
<laughs> that is not true. It's just that usually he doesn't let me. He just keeps saying no, and I have to be right off air later. That's right. I'm cutting this out of the podcast, and good night. 